my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing well. I am so excited to have in the studio with me today, having this great conversation, Anita Grantham from Bamboo HR. You know that HR Sound Off has been created by an HR professional for HR professionals, magnifying HR voices. That is what this show is all about. So Anita, welcome. If, if I sound like I'm smiling, it's because we were having a little conversation before we started recording, and I can't believe it just feels like I've known Anita forever and we've only just met. But Anita, welcome. How are you? It's so happy to be with you today, Julie. We're just going to have the best time. I love everything about what you do, and I am so grateful to be spending time with you today. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Let's kick off and tell the audience, who is Anita Grantham? What do you do? What's your HR story? How did you get here? I've been thinking about this and I've been listening to your other podcasts and we actually started it off before we pressed record, but mm-hmm. I, I graduated university with a degree in nutrition and chemistry. I thought I was going to be a doctor and I was a dropout. I failed the whole year of organic chemistry. I went to take the course for the MCAT. I couldn't take it. Um, So I was like, how do I get my degree with the least pain possible? And I got a nutrition degree. And then I thought, what on earth am I going to do with this degree? And I ended up going to work on a cruise ship where I came to Julie's hometown of Barbados many times. And I was selling jewelry on a cruise ship. And what I recognized about myself is I loved something new every day. I loved meeting new people. Like I loved having 2,000 new passengers aboard this cruise ship so I could just interact with people from all over the world and all different backgrounds. I learned so much. Mm -hmm. And then when I decided it was time for me to get serious about my life, I came back and started planning parties because that's what I always did for my friends is I planned parties. Love a good party. And I had a friend that said, I'm leaving to go retire with my husband in Mexico. What are you doing? And I said, well, I'm looking for a new job. And she said, well, you should come and interview for mine. And I said, well, what is this job? And she said, well, I'm the heart of an organization. I thought you would love this. Mm-hmm. What does is, what is the heart mean? What does this mean? And she said, why don't you just come meet our team? And it was this construction company, general contractor, 100 team members, sizable book of business. And they all said, Judy is the keeper of our mission and values. Judy is here to be the heartbeat of what we do and our humans. And since she's leaving, we're looking for somebody new. And I'm tired. This was words from the founder, who's still a dear friend of mine. He said, I'm tired of promoting off front desk assistants and accountants into this job. I need somebody that's going to care for our people. Mm-hmm. And it was really mm-hmm. humbling to just hear this vision of, of how he saw the role. And I sold ahead a little bit and I got myself in this job. And Julie, I went home and I, I wish I had Instagram at that point. Because I cried every night. 
And I thought, wow. I really not over my skis. I have no idea what I'm doing here. And I went and got my master's at University of Phoenix that had an organizational management program at the time. But the mm-hmm. gift of this program, it was designed by some of like, uh, you know, some of the greats in HR. So I had the leader of people and programs globally from Intel at the time teaching. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. a CHRO from Medtronic at the time. So built in a network of people that I could call and say, can you help me? Which really changed it for me around practical mm-hmm. application, where I was like, I don't know how, what's onboarding. How do I do onboarding? How do I handle hourly and non-hourly team members in the same group, people in the field, people you know in the office? What's the difference? And so that's really how I got started purely by accident. And I fell in love with it. And it's been, it's been amazing. Wow. That is such an amazing story. And, and yes, you are right. I love every bit of it. <laughs> but especially, you know, that someone saw something you didn't see in yourself to be known as the heart of the organization and seeing that in you, that you could be the heart of the organization too. How did that make you feel? Underqualified. Because yes. seriously, yes. I was reporting to the CEO on mm-hmm. the executive team in my early 20s, mm-hmm. only female on the team, which at that mm. time there wasn't, a, there wasn't a thing around it, which I think was really yes. helpful, but no one treated me any different. They were all like, this is, this is probably be viewed as poorly now, but they like called me the little bear cub because I'd always find my way up the tree. I'd always find my way through, but it wasn't mm-hmm. with a lot of mess and a lot of like, um, they were really patient with me because I had no idea yeah. what I was doing. And so I was mm. so happy to be surrounded by a group of professionals that really just cared to invest in me and yeah. were very kind with all of the mistakes and all of the messes that I made. I mean, I was mm. really lucky because it could have been very different. And I know people have had very different experiences. And I was just yeah. really lucky to be with a group of people that really supported my journey. So I felt safe. And yes. that makes a big difference in my ability mm-hmm. to. Mm, definitely sounds like a very great experience to have, especially for your first experience in HR, having no experience in HR. Well, and it was actually, it was the women that were the hardest on me. I remember really? the head of accounting always, I've always found for me, it, that's been my experience. Yeah. I was with the head of accounting and she said, who are you? You're not a mother. You're not a wife. You're not a professional. You're new in this career. What can you offer me? Mm. Like that was our first meeting. And I wow. remember saying nothing. I said, I can offer you nothing right now. Mm-hmm. However, I can tell you that I will learn and I will grow and I will figure out a way to be your partner and deliver value to you. Ooh. But at this point, there's really nothing I, nothing I have for you today. Yeah. Wow. But even that in itself was still a very confident thing for you to say because a lot of people go like, I have nothing and be like, oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> At least you had a rebuttal. <laughs> just, just luck, just luck. Good mentorship. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, that brings me to advice. What advice would you offer to, you know, young people right now? Cause I do have quite a few clients and 
always talking to HR people on LinkedIn, on Instagram, who are um, in leadership roles for the first time, but they're young. They have very little experience, but they have the seat at the table very young. What advice would you give them? Learn the business. Be a student of the business first. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was reading your pre-work and it was said, what are you reading or what are you listening to? Mm-hmm. But I this question too. This was the first book I got um, in that first four-week time span. And oh, to me, so this is, you know, Jim Collins is kind of, um, you know, just my spiritual leader. Because I when I feel lost, I go back to mission values and, and strategy for the business. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit before in that the the certifications out there for HR are are for HR of the past. HR yeah. of the future is around mm-hmm. understanding the business. And it's not that we don't need to know all of the tactical things. We do. Yes, but a lot do. of that can be covered through software. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has a good friend who's an attorney that will work you out of a situation. Correct. Our student of the business first. Yes, absolutely. I had a boss who once told me, and it stuck with me for life. She said, Julie, lawyers talk to lawyers. When you have compliance issues, get a lawyer. And if you know that the employee is going to bring an attorney, a union representative, get the lawyer. Lawyers talk to lawyers. That's not what we're here for. We're here to create experiences. We're here to help the business develop and grow through its people. When you have those challenges, you talk to lawyers. And that stayed with me throughout my HR career. And I've always, whenever it's a compliance issue, I don't hesitate to call an attorney and ask a question. So I totally agree with that. And definitely be a sponge. Yes. Yeah. Know the business. So now you are head of people for one of the most favorite places that I love from an HR tech perspective, Bamboo HR. I'm always talking about Bamboo HR. I am proud to be an affiliate of Bamboo HR. I'm proud to be a two-time speaker of the Bamboo HR conference. I just absolutely love everything that you guys are doing. So tell us a little bit about life at Bamboo HR for you. What does that look like? Well, I just want to thank you for your support. We couldn't be Bamboo without our affiliates and our partners and everybody in the ecosystem. So thank you for for being a supporter of Bamboo. We're super grateful. My pleasure. And, you know, what's interesting for me is, is when we first talked about this job a year ago, um, it was like being an HR leader for HR tech. And I was really passionate about it because I think HR tech has a, has a ways to go to support the HR person of one. And mm-hmm. that really makes me passionate. And you and I share mm-hmm. also the, the vision that we can uh, elevate HR leaders, that we can yes. help effective in their role. And I'm really dedicated to that. And mm-hmm. at the same time, being a speaker on culture puts a tremendous pressure for me to say, is everything I'm speaking about happening internally? And that's my measure. You know, when we talk with the team about what we're putting out there, I ask the team, do you see what I'm saying happening in action inside the building? Mm. Do you see it? And if you don't, I want to talk about it here first. And Mm -hmm. that's been my invitation to our customers, which are Bambooligans, and my ask to our HR team is that they've got to live with the heightened sense of awareness that we are um, 
we've got to be in alignment with that. Otherwise it's inauthentic and I don't want to be inauthentic. Mm-hmm. I love that. You want to make sure that you are not only, you know, doing it for people externally, but it has to be happening inward. What are some of the challenges that come with that, Anita? It's not unlike many of our customers. It's it's early career leaders doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not having the right technology to leverage um, what you want to see inside. Like I'm excited right now. We're doing all of our own data in well-being and an EMPS mm-hmm. side of our product. And mm-hmm. we're evolving the question. Dashboards. I'm going to have a lot to show by the end of the year of just mm-hmm. how we're going to use that data, how we're going to use it to enable leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really, I like to say drink my own champagne versus eat my own yeah. dog food, but drink mm-hmm. my own champagne, our product, and figure out how we can partner with the product team and the leaders inside Bamboo to help them leverage this wonderful technology tool that they have. Because really, mm-hmm. even though our business is larger than our core customer, I have department leaders that are our core customer and they are yeah. an HR team and they've got mm. to use their data to be able to move that population and inspire them towards our mission of setting people free to do great work. Yes, definitely. I find that a lot of HR people struggle with data um, because I've done the surveys, whether it's on LinkedIn or otherwise, when I ask people, like, what are some of the biggest things that you're struggling with? The last survey that I did, over 900 people responded, and about 35% of those 900 people said that their biggest challenge was HR data. Just wrapping their heads around being able to tell good people's stories with their data. So when you, as a head of people, get your data, how do you connect that to the, to the stories to create better experiences? What are some of the things that you do? That's a great question. We could talk forever on this. So we could. The we first, could. <laughs> so <laughs> the first that we decided on organizationally this year is that we wanted to make sure that every person at Bamboo knew how their job connected to the mission. So to me, that's a big driver of engagement and the experience that they're having. And so we made sure that that went into the well-being um, survey questions and that we were pegging those surveys to make sure that we're getting those answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first piece is like, how does it match with the strategy and what data do you want to know? I think that's mm-hmm. the problem with most data is there's so many things that people want to yes. know, like mm-hmm. what's most important to you? So first, yeah. like what's most important to you as an organization? And what do you want to know? And then how do you leverage your technology to figure that out? And so that's one piece. And then what we realized too, inside Bamboo, we don't have a lot of participation in our own surveys. Oh, really? No. You know why? It's because we weren't coming back proactively and sharing with them what we've learned by their feedback. Mm. Right? So big, classic rookie rookie mistake. That's right. So it's like, this is what hear about. When we launched this last survey, I went into our general Slack channel. I shared what we were doing. I shared how mm-hmm. we're going to respond to it, looking to boost engagement so that we can get the data out and then mm-hmm. see do people feel connected to their jobs. The other yeah. thing we started really making sure is we're tracking by number how many people use our own performance management system. Are they putting the goals in? And so we're giving reports back to the leaders. Hey, your whole team hasn't entered a goal into Bamboo. 
you need help? Are you unclear about how to connect top level goals to department and to individual goals? So we've mm-hmm. done a lot of that. We, we recognize that a lot of our leaders wanted more connection to the business and what was happening. So we flew all of our senior leaders in and we did a kickoff that we're going to do quarterly. And now we're capturing data around that. Was the content useful? What do you want to see happen next? What do you want to learn more about? If we as leadership team go offsite, what's the one thing you'd be disappointed if we didn't talk about? Mm. So we're starting to capture data in all these kind of different areas. We just finally shipped out um, our new hire. um, Sorry, what do I want to call it? It's, is my new hire delivering value six months after I hire them in? So that's going now. Too. Mm-hmm. So if you just me six months ago, you would get a quick survey, Julie, that would say, is Anita ramped yet? What would have made her ramp faster? Would you mm-hmm. hire her again in this role? Mm-hmm. So we're starting to deploy it in all different areas so we can kind of get a whole view on how our whole population is doing. Early yes. at Bamboo, tenured at Bamboo, experience throughout Bamboo. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you've been able to learn from your mistakes and then create an even better experience. But just listen to it, like, give me goosebumps. Like, seriously. Because I'm just so excited. I'm such a geek. (laughs) Me too. But that's how we have to share with your population here that's listening to us today is that, like, you you can, you pretty much can't mess it up. There's not Mm -hmm. a lot we can mess up. And I feel like sometimes early in our career, I was so afraid of making a mistake. Just make the mistake. And learn from it. And big deal. Yeah. I just fix it. I still make mistakes exactly. all the time. Yeah. Who doesn't? I do. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I really appreciated about my HR career coming, you know, close to the end of my corporate career, but that I absolutely love now in my entrepreneur career is that I am a scientist. I am an architect. And with that means I'm not going to always get it right. Scientists experiment. As an HR professional, we experiment with products and services. We see what works, what doesn't work. And then we, you know, we ideate all the time to make it better. If I see myself the same way that I see my developers, you know, as they work in an agile way to create the products and services and make Bamboo better every single time, then the people experience should be similar, right? I should be able to make mistakes and not hold myself and feel like I'm deaf upon deaf. (laughs) that I've made this horrible mistake, but that I can, you know, still grow and be great at what I do without feeling this big cloud over my head because I'm sitting in a space where I am architecting people experience. If I think about it that way, that's what gives me joy. That's what gets me excited. That's what keeps me going. And even when I do make mistakes and I feel in a funk about it, it doesn't last forever because I'm a scientist. I'm an architect. I can keep moving and growing and making things better. That that sounds different, right? That's I'm gonna steal it. steal it. I I I love that. I say I'm an investigator and I'm curious. And mm-hmm. when I have things that didn't go the way I wanted them to, what did I learn? What did I learn from it and turn it into mm-hmm. learning versus Correct. me beating myself up? Exactly. And that's what I I love the architect, I love the scientist. I'm gonna switch hats. I'm gonna <laughs> go on as a scientist now. No worries. No worries. Anita, tell me what's got you excited about HR right now? What are you loving about our space as it is developing and growing? This is the time for the business to see our value. 
2020, as hard of a year as it was, unlocked a place for HR that had never existed before. And I want us all to see it as an opportunity for us to grow into it. And so when you get afraid about all the hard things, all the different racial things that are happening, all of the inequality, all of the mental health things that we deal with, true human side of human, you know, human resources, see it as an opportunity to lead and grow in your skill set around doing hard things. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't recognized before like it is today. It wasn't appreciated before like it is today. And while we still have room to grow, that's what I'm excited about is that it's come to the forefront as something that's valuable. Yes. I am very excited about that as well. I think I actually have a presentation that I gave sometime during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. it was called, "This is it's the most wonderful time to be in HR. And it was themed after, you know, the Christmas song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Because I just felt like in my bones, I was saying to people as we were going through the pandemic, This is the time as HR professionals to really shine and show people what we are worth to the business. This is the time when the business is going to go, wow, that's what they were there for all along. We weren't using that. We were just using them to do push paper and, you know, be yes people when they had all this good stuff hiding behind them. Let's use that. And I've seen that come to fruition now, and it just puts a spark in my heart that says, but I knew that this was what where we were going to land at, at the throes or the end of this pandemic, that businesses were going to really recognize that the value HR really can bring to the table is second to none if we do our jobs right. And if we're given the opportunity to do our jobs right. But on the on the other side of this, Anita, so many people are saying as much as, you know, their business saw their value, a lot of people have gone back, have actually reversed. We've seen people, you know, backpedal on hybrid work. We've seen people backpedal on remote work. We've seen people backpedal on their technology um, and their ability to trust. And now they only trust when people are right in front of them. What do you think is going wrong in those spaces? And what could they be doing differently to make sure that this is not happening? What conversations are we not having that we're just allowing people to, our organizations to backpedal, as it were? I want to go have that conversation. I want to go back into that leadership team or whoever is coming to the table with that perception and go back to the leadership team and say, you're leaving me with the experience that we're moving backwards since the pandemic. How do you see it? And they'd say, well, I don't think we're going backwards. What do you see? Well, we've come off of remote work. We've come up of hybrid work. We've come off of our leveraging technology in these ways and bring the data. This is where you want to bring the data, right? We've mm-hmm. gone, we've changed our strategy here. We're doing less here. And do you see it that way? Because whenever there's that type of disconnect, I always wonder where the source is. And I just want to go ask the question. Yeah. Because oftentimes two people just see it in a different way and they're not meaning to be disconnected from it. And yeah. sometimes it just, um, have you read in that book, it's by Mo Guadat, it's called The Happiness Equation. Yes. And it's where 
my expectations are different than yours are. So I feel unhappy mm -hmm. about who we are. Yes. And so a lot of times, did we create strong agreements around what we were going to do for technology and hybrid work? Or did mm -hmm. we just assume that we saw it the same way? Yeah. Mm. And so mm -hmm. I want to know if we're operating from a context that's shared or a context that's different and yeah. how they're seeing it. Or maybe does it not work for the business anymore? And we're seeing it's interesting. A lot of businesses value for the first time ever in person, yeah. right? Where before it was like, we're not doing enough for remote. We had a full, a full shift, you know, to being remote. Mm -hmm. And now they're mm -hmm. like, come back to work. And, and why is that? And why do we think that's going to be valuable for our product and our customers? Yeah, that's a very good question to ask. So I hope that the people who are listening today will definitely value that and ask that question. There's so much we could talk about, but I could see our time slipping away. So I want to ask you this. You are a very busy woman and you are not just an HR professional. You are, you are a human being living your full life. What do you do to take care of yourself? This is a great question. And it's something I'm really passionate about that I did not do well in my last chapter. So mm -hmm. part of coming into this bamboo chapter, I made really strong commitments to myself first around um, what I will eat, how I will sleep, and how I will like move my body around. Like mm -hmm. um, so I skied Saturday and Sunday. It's the best snow in Utah. 20 years. So I'm making a priority to get outside. Being outside is like my church. I don't mm -hmm. care if I'm in the mountains, like really just under the sun or under the sky, rain or shine, that is mm -hmm. just being outside. So mm -hmm. not stacking my schedule of 10 straight hours of Zoom without a break. Um, yes. So even if it's just 15 minutes, it's snowing today, but I'll just put on a coat, I'll go outside and I'll look up at the sky and just take a break. Mm -hmm. um, the other big gift I have is I have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old, uh, little girls, and there's something about nice. the presence of little people that just mm -hmm. makes back from what seems to be a crisis. You recognize quickly that it's not a crisis. Yes. And so I really work to focus really intentional energy on them when I'm with them. Mm -hmm. And all of me, not this distracted me of all the things mm -hmm. going on. I still need work at that. Mm -hmm. Um, and really, really making sure that when I'm at work, I'm really focused on delivering my best, highest priorities. So I ruthlessly prioritize where the time goes to get the highest amount of output so yes. that when I'm with the family on the weekend, I'm really with the family, you know, when they're home from school through dinner and, and over the weekend. And then what I've added in this time is me, um, yes. what I, and making sure sleep is kind of like my, my stable mate. I have mm -hmm. to have eight hours sleep or really struggle. Yes. I love all of that. Being present, getting outside, being sure of what you eat, putting into your body is right. Doing good work. That's a lot of, of great ways to make sure that you're taking proper care of yourself. And I really do love you sharing that. So thank you so much for being so open. If you could give... Uh -huh. Give up things. Like I want everybody to know you have yes. to give up. I don't yes. have a ton of friends. I don't have a lot of social I don't make time for social relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't make time for charitable work a lot mm -hmm. of times. Right? So it doesn't come without a prioritization. Yes. I think that's what is that mm -hmm. it may look 
like it's everything, but it's really not everything. Everything. But it's everything to you, right? Yeah. And that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's everything to you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Life is full of different phases and stages. So this is what you're doing now versus what you were doing before. And as you mentioned before, you weren't doing a lot of those things. Um, so I'm sh glad to know that you're more conscious as you go into this chapter and this phase of your life about what is a priority and making sure that you make it a priority and you're not being a hypocrite to yourself, right? Because that really matters. It matters. <laughs> and it's easy to fall there. I mean, I, I'm yes. tempted all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you are. A lot of us are. But I'm glad that you're being more conscious and intentional about being your best self. For you, for the people you support as a mother, as a family member, and for the work that you do as well, because it matters. So good for you. Well, and a lot of it comes through watching your posts. Like I appreciate oh, really? you posting. Yeah. <laughs> and you post things that make me laugh. So I don't take myself too seriously. You post mm -hmm. things that remind me to take care of myself on the days when I'd rather like open a bottle of wine than go walk outside. You know, mm -hmm. you post things that remind me of why we do this and challenge me on my thoughts and beliefs. And I find surrounding myself with people, whether it's on social or in things that I read are really helpful. So thank you for inspiring me to stay focused and committed. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Oh, I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you, I know you shared one of the books that you read, that you read, but what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would appreciate? I am currently obsessed um, with Tim Ferriss. Okay. Um, I just think his podcasts are so real and mm -hmm. so honest about so many things. So his last one, he had a really well-known tech leadership coach. Mm -hmm. And um, so whether he's talking about leadership and coaching, whether he's talking about cryptocurrency, whether he's talking about health and wellness, oh, there's a lot on health and wellness. I think okay. all of it fits into our work somehow. I always find a direct connection. And then if I'm looking for something directly leadership oriented, I love Scott Miller's On Leadership. Through Franklin, he's got okay. such an amazing stable of people coming on, um, mm -hmm. you know, that talk about leadership and talk about how to influence your teams. So, and they're quick 30 minutes bites. So yes. I find his books and his podcasts really, really useful. And mm -hmm. then I'm really excited because the season premiere of Ted Lasso is March 15th. <laughs> and I think that's one of the best leadership shows on here. Like, I mean, Everybody I learned loves Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Yes, everybody loves Ted Lasso. Thank you for sharing those with us. The last big question. What is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? I know you probably have about 50, but give me one. <laughs> Skiing yesterday. And uh -huh. he was like, he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm in HR. And he goes, gosh, you're so fun. I've got to watch out what I say now. Now I can't be fun anymore. And I was like, darn it. You know, HR people are fun. And, um, you know, he's like, do I have to be careful? I hate that. Yeah. I hate so like, I can't be I myself. Do. Because mm -hmm. we are fun and we are human. And 
And like, let's just see it as that. Like that's yeah. what the misconception I want to go away. We're here mm-hmm. to drive performance and organizations that are driven and committed to a mission. That's what we're yes. here to do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Let's make that fun. Absolutely. I stopped telling people about 10 years ago, I stopped telling people that I work in HR. <laughs> so when people ask me what I do, I go, I'm a people, I'm a people architect. I create great experiences that make people feel happy about being at work. And they go, really, how do you do that? And then they start to talk about it and they go, sounds like HR. And I'm like, not really, not really. But if you think it's HR, that's, that's okay. And then they, they start to open up and they talk more about the organization, about their experiences in the workplace. So I don't, I stop telling people I work in HR. As a matter of fact, I am a very huge advocate for us changing our title from HR to people experience or people operations or heart-centric leadership, which I think Claude Silva would love. You know, I, love- but I, I honestly feel like it's time for us to stop calling ourselves HR people. And I think that we should stop letting the SHRMs and the CIPDs and HRCIs of the world dictate what we call ourselves, but I feel like it's time to make a shift from HR to people experience. I am, um, this is the first HR title I've ever had mm-hmm. is my wonderful HR, yes. which, which, you know, makes sense for the technology. And I totally mm-hmm. agree that it's got to evolve because it's so much more it is. than what it used to be. Yes. So much more. There's an avalanche of things that we do on a daily basis when we barely scratched the surface on the possibilities of what it would be to create great people experiences. Yes. So yes. that's I why I love, love that people architect. And that's why mm-hmm. I think great places to work. Cause I think life's yes. too short to go to a miserable place. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. I think I'm a hoot. So I when so when people go, oh, HR people aren't funny. Oh, we got to be careful what we say. You know, like you said, I that really hurts me because I think I am the, one of the funniest people I know. And I know my daughter, my kids actually do believe I'm, I, I was a clown in another life. <laughs> <laughs> I was right there next to you in that past life. <laughs> my children are, I'm everything, but I am silly mummy. I am whimsical mommy. I'm all kind of, I'm embarrassing mommy. <laughs> How old are they? My, my kids are 25, 20, and my daughter turns 18 next week, and I cannot believe it. I'm just like, oh. where did the time go? How did these kids get so big? But they are. Okay, so yes. give me advice. If you had to go back to when they were 8 and 10, what would you do different or better? I try my best to freeze time and keep them at those ages because that's when they're the sweetest. I feel like as they get older and especially in those teenage years and they get moody as they go through puberty, I, yeah, I could skip them. I could skip those, those parts <laughs> for sure. <laughs> the moodiness. And honestly, because I have two boys and one girl and one of the biggest things for me was watching my boys go through puberty because I, um, I'm an only child sibling rivalry for me was non-existent because I was an only child. And so battling those dynamics, watching them during their moments of sibling rivalry, even now, 
um, for me, still freaks me out. And like my husband, who is the oldest of four children, um, he he had to mellow me out. He had to be like, this is normal, Julie. This is how siblings behave. And I'm like, really? And he'd be like, but you are only child, so you wouldn't know. So like he'll walk me through, st- he walked me through growing our children. So it was, it was a really interesting experience for me, but just for my boys, especially for I am a girl, so like it was easier to relate to the stuff my daughter was going through, but my boys like um, dislocating kneecaps and you know their growth spurts and how their legs hurt and just different things like that were really hard for me to navigate as they when their voices change and they sound like their dad on the phone. <laughs> just a lot of different things, but for me, I feel like when they were younger, I really hold on to those moments, capture them the best way you can, as much as you can. Because in the blink of an eye, they hit 20 and they move out and get girlfriends and <laughs> boyfriends and it's it's over. You're Before you know it, you're an empty nester asking your husband for a cat and he tells you you're, he's allergic to them and you can't have them. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I know you weren't looking for all of that, but that's what it is. I wanted it all. That's so great. I'm going to send it <laughs> And you can just put it on your back porch and say that it was homeless and you needed to it take was, it in. Yeah. 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 I tried. I tried. <laughs> we have a few strays around here and I tried. And he was like, nope, nope, nope. And then he started sneezing. I know he's not allergic to cats. I know it. I do. <laughs> Try a lizard or an iguana. <laughs> I'm gonna try something, a puppy. Yes. Something. I'm gonna try something. I you need got something to replace these kids because they don't need me anymore. Oh, they need <laughs> they, you. All, Wait all they, they have is, all they need is my bank account. Once, <laughs> 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 like, you know, when they were small, I was like, "Can I get some ice cream? Can I get some candy? Can I get this?" Now it's like, "Can I borrow your debit card?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Child, what? <laughs> Can you buy this on Amazon for me? What? <laughs> you know, so where's your cash? Where's your cash? And then they yes. have it, right? They have to work for it, and they'll bring the two dollars and they keep it right here. And they said, "I'm not buying anything until you bring me cold hard cash. Show me the money. Show me the money." Okay, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> and they're like, no, "I don't have any." I said, "Well, there's tons of poop from the big dog out back. Feel free to go pick it up for the next five pick days." Have wow. $2. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. With that being said, all last and all, and Nita, you survived your time in the sample today. Thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful. You so are very welcome, and you are welcome back anytime, my friend. <laughs> Do it again. Let's not let it be so long. So no, much to talk about. For sure. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. 
Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.